HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The Big Food Question is partnering with TD Bank on five special episodes about the resilience of small businesses in the face of a constantly shifting pandemic landscape. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with me, your host, Zara Tangora, and... And me, your other host, Bobby Comforto. Hi, Bobby. Oh, my mom. That is true. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Saz. Bobby, it's really so wonderful to see you in this format again. Um, we have seen an awful lot of each other. Um, over the past couple of weeks, which is awesome, and probably more time than we've seen each other in person over the past couple of years. So it's been really just like so wonderful. We went on a trip together, which is going to be kind of the topic of our uh, episode today. But it is lovely to see you in this format at the other end of the computer, because that means we're doing processing. Exactly. And it's so good to be with our listeners again. Um, Folks, I know a lot of people out there probably feeling what what I know Bobby and I are feeling, which is um, sadness a bit and disappointment over the fact that I think we had all kind of seen a light at the end of the tunnel going into this summer with feeling like maybe we were going to turn a corner with COVID and then we did and then we turned kind of right back and uh, seeing people becoming ill and losing their lives and, you know, just the entire discourse surrounding COVID and the anger on, you know, that people have for a myriad of different reasons and uh, the fear and it's upsetting. So we just wanted to touch on that and, you know, check in with you guys and hope that everyone's healthy and okay. And, you know, mentally take take care care of yourselves out there. And, you know, part of what we wanted to talk about today is about the trip that we took. Uh, It was hard to make that decision to make the trip during this COVID uptake. So, um, it's very much on our mind, the fact that life is different and yeah. people still have to make choices and decisions that are good for their life. For sure. And, uh, you know, in terms of the, like, I had just mentioned, like, feeling like we were seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I had a friend who um, has been going through a really difficult time with a sick parent for a long time. And they had said to me a couple of weeks ago, like, I'm just waiting for there to be a light, a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's such a reasonable kind of thing. And I think almost to survive, especially in times of grief, we have to imagine that. But I said back to him that, like, I think it's more useful to think of it as turning lights on in the tunnel where you can. You know, mm. you try to strike a match here, find a little crack of light coming through there, uh, and turn the lights on when you when you can inside the tunnel. Because, you know, as much as it's reasonable to think that way, 
I think this is a really good, this COVID situation is actually a pretty good example of, you know, what things just change, you know, all of a sudden there's a twist or a curveball you weren't expecting. And, that we and have that, no control over. Right. And on a grief journey, that can be a pretty difficult thing, I think, to wrap your head around because you're like relying on the one day it will get better. And like, you know what? Most of the time it really does. Most of the time one day it does get better. Well, and everything changes. That we can count. Right. That's a wonderful, I love that metaphor. I'm going to use it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you're so right. You know, we have to find in each moment whatever light that we can find. Yeah. Um, and I know that like if you're someone who's listening to this right now and having a bad time and feeling like shit, that sometimes hearing something like that can just be like, okay, great. Thanks a lot. Telling me to like turn on the light. You know what I mean? But so use that when you feel like you're ready for it because maybe at some point you'll be like wanting to heed that that advice or be able to take it in. But I know sometimes it can be like irritating if you're not in that vibe Hmm. at the moment. But um, yeah, so may we all try to light up our, illuminate our tunnels where we can. And find the light that's there. There's, There's often light in the darkness that we can find. Yeah. And feel. So folks, uh, without further ado, Bobby and I are going to talk about the pleasures and perils of being a mother and daughter together in this world and uh, on the road. Okay, enjoy. Bobby, we are back. We are Hi back again. from our we've trip. Tra- we've traveled thousands, <laughs> literally thousands of miles by plane, by car, by foot. Yeah. Yep. So we just took a trip to New Mexico. We went to Santa Fe and Taos. And first of all, I just want to say that um, during this time where people are like uh, experiencing a lot of pain and loss, this is not um, an episode meant to brag about the, how fortunate we are for traveling. We are recognizing that we're extremely fortunate to travel. Uh, and the reason for us wanting to share it is just kind of, uh, well, there's, there's a lot of reasons. And I think we're going to go through them as we go through the episode today, you know, just on an honest note, Bobby and I are super close. And we've also through the years of our relationship as mother and daughter have had difficult times. We've had really wonderful and easy times And I know for me, it felt like an important thing to do um, to like kind of re-establish this. Like I think with people who are close to you, you're constantly re-establishing your relationship and taking moments you can to be like, well, what is it like now as the -hmm. the people we are now? And so this trip really felt important to me. And I felt really lucky to get to participate in it because it was like a good way to like check in and kind of like, you know, re take a, take a new look and a fresh look at what our relationship has been like, not only after doing this working project together on the show, um, but after like two years of, you know, being separated by COVID in a lot of ways, um, just being different people getting older. So that's what it felt like for me. And years and the years of growth yeah. that adds to that. So Bobby, you kind of like championed doing this trip. What would it, what did it mean for you when you thought about taking this trip? Uh, a, for the meaning of it, and then also be for the uh, importance of where we went, because I know it was really significant to you to see New Mexico, so I'm interested about that too. Right. Well, as you and the listeners know, um, every week I work with a 
about 50 some odd people who were going through different um, losses and traumas and crises. And certainly during COVID, I have a lot of clients who whose family members have died from COVID, not just last year, but this year, recently. Mm. And so I think the urgency to find the light in the tunnel um, was one of the things that motivated me to take a trip. Um, I tend to be very solution-oriented kind of a person, and I work that way as a therapist as well. So I felt the the, the drags and the pain of this time, and I wanted to do something special. It meant a lot to me. And I think the thought of doing it with Yuzar was the thing that excited me most. I was so excited to be <laughs> taking a road trip with you. Me too! Um, and everybody, every one of my clients knows, how was your trip with your daughter? It wasn't just how was your trip, <laughs> but how was your trip with your daughter? So um, in terms of the area, I had met two people some years ago um, who were from New Mexico, and they were both... Uh, grief and trauma therapists. One was uh, the famous Stephen Levine, who I talk about a lot, who's mm. written many books about loss. And the other was somebody that worked in um, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross program that I, I worked in. And both of them had something about them that seemed to be New Mexico. And it was this vision, this horizon. They seemed to have like a natural horizon in them. They held space. They knew how to hold space. Yeah. So that was actually the thing. I've never really known anyone that says, oh, I love Santa Fe. It wasn't until after I said we were going there that people started to tell me. But my real reason were these two people that influenced me. And it was their presence and their ability to hold space that made me think that I want to go to New Mexico. Yeah. And I think really... Uh, in the last week, people have asked me, what did you like about it? What did you like about it? It was that space. It was the horizon. There it was, was a lot the, of space. the unbelievable amount of space. Yeah. I've never been in that much space before. Yeah, it was really, it was really profound. Huh? So that's what drew me to that area. And, um, and then I also knew another therapist, actually, Bill O'Hanlon, who's written many, many, 24 books he's written. And he was from Santa Fe and used to talk about the ride from Santa Fe to Taos. So I knew it wasn't just Santa Fe I wanted to go. I wanted to take the ride to Taos as well. Yeah, and it was very special, that ride. Yeah, so that's that's what drew me to this. Cool. You know, I mean, I'm obviously curious. I'm so often curious, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, about your job. And I, I can't imagine, like, I know even just as kind of a, a civilian, like, what I feel like, and, and also as just a co-host of this podcast, and what I feel like when I talk to, you know, our guests and just hear other stories about death and about um, tragedy and trauma and all this stuff. Like, and as someone who listens to 50 stories a week like that, uh, I know that it influences your sense of wanting to like really live life and mm -hmm. your sense of perspective. Um, so with, with regards to COVID and even though obviously you've been extremely safe and really like very precautious and doing all the kind of right things, like how did that kind of influence, you know, how did COVID influence your desire? Having heard all these stories about people who just like, you know, lost their lives unexpectedly. Yes. How did it influence yeah. your own desire to kind of get out there and live? Well, when we planned the trip, you know, it was that light at the end of the tunnel that you talked about before that we really um, imagined things were going to be opening up. People were starting to travel, Europe, people starting to travel to Europe. But it was about two weeks before that it started to shift and turn. And I personally had a lot of anxiety about that. I really didn't know what to do. It wasn't that I was afraid. 
I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the right thing to do was. And I had a feeling that you were experiencing the same thing. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I just, um, I had a lot of feelings about it. I had feelings about, you know, knowing how special the trip was to you and how much you had put into planning it and not wanting it to go and have it just not be what you the fullest picture of what you wanted. I didn't want you to be disappointed. I didn't obviously didn't want us to get sick. I, I believe very much in, um, that the, that community is paramount, whether it be our community or another community we're visiting. So the last thing I would have wanted to do was to like bring harm or sickness to like another community or, you know, obviously interfere in that anyway. And the, you know, I feel pretty committed to the, um, the, the healing surrounding what's going on and being part of the solution. So uh, I certainly didn't want to be kind of like an ignorant person just being like, well, fuck it. We're on vacation, you know, and our, our joy and our vacation is more important than people's lives. But I think, you know, we really like pow out about it and tried to like find a way to have a, a trip that felt special still, but being really respectful and safe. um, Right. To others. And it worked right. out and it was actually a little bit hard at times. And, you know, some of my fears were not irrational, you know, yes, like, or yes. concerns, I should say, you know, like, uh, it did impair like some of the things that we wished we could have done. And mm-hmm. that's a truth. But at the same time, I think we still made a good decision, decision in going. And I think one of the greatest things was being able to <clears throat> be spontaneous. And I, I loved witnessing that in you. Because um, just to make a, a pivot, a turn, an adjustment, an adaptation, do something different. And I think those were some of the greatest times that we were able to adapt to what didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And it went a different way. And just for our listeners to know, we, we did it in a way that we thought was safe. We rented two houses. So we didn't stay in a hotel. And for us, that felt better. And we just made a commitment not to eat indoors. We ate outdoors. And, um, and we had our handy mess which we wore, you know, whenever we were around people that felt important to us. And again, to protect others as well. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to ask you a question and if it's too like personal or hard to answer, then don't answer it. But I'm curious because we have an age gap of 32 years between us. And while you are extremely youthful and in incredible shape and you look wonderful and, I wonder what it's like being 69 years old and feeling like there's stuff you want to still do and like having it feel like I know it must feel different, right? I'm 37 and there's stuff I want to still do, but I look, and even though no one's life is certain, I guess I'm like trying to ask the question from your perspective of things that are like the quote proverbial bucket list. And while it must feel great to achieve doing those things, is there a sadness or a, a, or a mourning attached to that as well? Again, I'm sorry if this is too like kind of dark. No, not of a question. at all. I'm just curious. I, mean, I have talked about on our podcast before feeling my age, you know, and being in experience with you as actually 32, 33 years younger than I, um, it always deepens my awareness of my age. I can feel it in many ways. So on this trip, um, there were a couple of times where I really did feel my age. I felt tired. I was out of breath at times because we were at such a high altitude. I even had a vasovagal uh, uh, experience, which for those of you that don't know, it's of dropping blood pressure. Sounds like a sandwich. <laughs> it, <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was more like a sandwich. It was one of the I'll worst feelings I ever I'll take a vasovagal on rye, please. 
And no mustard. I'm just getting extra mustard. <laughs> it was really one of the worst experiences I ever had. Yeah. But scary. and to have you there with me was really profound. So we we experienced so many different things. But I did feel my age. I felt you know walking um, in the national park, you know up cliff dwellings and seeing a ladder ahead and saying I don't want to climb that ladder. You know, I used to drop easily. I don't drop that easily anymore, but I used to drop easily and I've had many broken bones. So I'm conscious, even though I might not have to be, that I don't want to be in situations where I could drop. Yeah. So, um, but I, I must say, latching on to your youth was wonderful and exciting. It felt like sketching a ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just. I guess, you know, we all have to have that feeling a little bit. And I mean, I know this. I almost died when I was 21 years old, like out of nowhere. It's, there's nothing about being 69 as opposed to being 37 that is like more of a signifier. That, you know what I mean? Like anyone can live for 40 years or die tomorrow. It's just that I guess that was something that was going through my head. And it's an interesting thing. And I think like something this trip brought up for me. And I think that it's something a lot of us sit with, but don't often discuss is the kind of, um, dual feeling of when you're spending time with a loved one. And I think particularly a parent because parents are older than you, um, about how sometimes like for me, when we're doing the most fun thing, I also feel so sad because it's almost mm. like you're like, for me, sometimes I like, I picture it as a memory, you know, that I'll have someday when I'm, you know, alone. Well, my, my dear, I hope that's momentary because I hope you don't get stuck in that thought because we're in the moment. No, so I don't, I I don't get stuck in it. Good, good. And it's okay to feel that. You're actually bringing up a very important part of grief. You're talking about anticipatory, anticipatory grief. And many people um, have that and say, well, am I, should I not be doing this? No, it's normal and natural to have anticipatory grief and it prepares us for things in the future. Mm-hmm. But we just don't want to get stuck there because then it becomes right. a fear or a worry. And that's different. But, um, but I think we just don't like, I think that that feeling can be so tender for people when we're talking about, you know, being with our parents and stuff that people tend to avoid it and like, just be like, Oh, I don't want to spend time with my parent because you don't really want to feel that. And you really yes. don't want to say it out loud or identify it. It's really complicated. And, but I think a lot of us feel it. Well, I think you, you, you saw me in my youth. Like, I think you saw me, I was, I felt like a, a a two-year-old at times. <laughs> I felt like a teenager. I felt like an excited 20-year-old. I felt like a turned-on, you know, person. And I also felt old at times. It was many different things. One of the things I noticed are, again, it was not wanting to drop that feeling of not wanting to have an accident or something go wrong. I have more anticipation of what could go wrong. Mm. And I try not to make it worry, but sometimes it can cross over into worry. But it's really not. It's really just huh, I want to be smart. I've had experience in life. I know you can get in right. a mess. So I've had that experience and I don't want to get in a mess now. So I'm going to say, let's not do this or let's not do that. And I think that was an area where we saw our age difference mm. because there were times where I said, I pulled back and you wanted to rush ahead. And it made me feel badly to keep you from something. And it also, I knew that for me, I had to do that in order to make this trip at this age in this way. Right. I had to watch out for myself. Yeah, and that's an important thing yeah. to yeah. kind of recognize and think about. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of my friends, in fact, I think everybody that I told that I went on a trip, like their first thing was, how did you go on a, not, this is not personal to you. It's just, (laughs) how did you go on a trip with your mom for 10 days? I would have killed my parent if I went on a trip with them. I wouldn't have been able to last a day. And like, it's interesting that that was like an interesting comment to me. And it's not because like, I can't identify with where people are coming from and we have like a perfect relationship. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, doesn't everybody, Bobby and I have a perfect relationship. It's not like that. It's just that like, and, and, and some people really just aren't friends with their parents. You know, some people just really aren't. And that's okay. That's not weird. And so for someone to say that, or some people have incredibly complicated, painful, traumatic relationships with their parents. But what I'm just saying is some people, a lot of people just like, you know, it, even if the relationship is a little bit fraught, there's so much to learn in spending kind of intimate, like solid time with a parent. And again, I say that from a place fully recognizing that I'm speaking from a position of extreme privilege in a way Mm -hmm. here. Yes. So I'm not trying to be like, all you've got to do is just try. I know that's not possible for everyone, but in whatever way you can, sometimes confronting the thing that is you're fearful of can, and it it wasn't perfect. I mean, we had some really intense conversations and we have had a lot of fights in the past. And, but I'm just, I guess what I'm trying to say is just, I encourage people, if you have a meaningful relationship in your life, whether it be parental with a sibling, with your spouse or kid, like if you can find a way to not run away from it, there's a lot of good meat in there. Well, the, the reason why what we do with the meat is we process it. <laughs> so Processed meat. Together, it's like we, a hot, it's oh. a healing hot dog. We both have different skills in processing things, and we both bring different um, opportunities for that. So I think the fact that we know how to process things, or not that we know how, but we work towards processing, I think that makes a difference. So when something came up, we didn't bury it. Maybe it took a little while, but we worked it through. We yeah, we just it. had like our classic slap fight. We just slapped each other <laughs> until one of us fell to the ground. Well. There was some incredible things to look at. Should we tell the listeners some of the things that we saw? Yeah. And also, like, again, I, I don't think I need to reiterate it, but I will. It's just that, like, the understanding that, like, getting to have an opportunity like this is an extreme privilege that we are so grateful for. We are deeply yes. grateful, and this is not in any way meant to be any kind of a brag. It's just, you know, trying to share experience and talk about things in Because, you know, our lives, while they are, we are very lucky people in many ways, like, there's a lot of hard stuff, too, that's happened. And so, like, the little bits of joy, the times when you get to get out there and see the world are special. And I guess the intention here in the segment of what we're going to talk about is just to encourage you in whatever way you might be able to, to get out and try to grasp onto the little bits of joy. And, And two things, you know, one is that I think when you have something to focus on, it's a very good way to heal a relationship. In other words, you don't always have to talk about your relationship. When you're both experiencing a similar experience, it's healing in itself. Yeah, that's a good so point. So I think that's part of it. And by the way, the comments that the parents had for me when they heard I was going on a trip with my daughter was, oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> that's what they all said. Aw, that's cute. They don't know me. That's why. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about some of the cool things we saw. What were some of the highlights for you? Well, again, I think it was really the land, mm. and it was the spance. 
It's, you know, we did see amazing sunsets. We saw amazing thunderstorms. We saw tumbleweed. We did see all the tumbleweed. It just we were in a situation where we saw a really dark sky brewing and we were in kind of the, not a valley, but in, there were mountains on the sides of us, red rock mountains on the sides of us. And we saw the dark clouds coming. And I had been in that situation years before in Sedona where it had rained heavy, heavy storm and everything got flooded. So we're sitting there in a gas station watching this dark cloud come and all of a sudden a wind comes and tumbleweed like out of a movie and the middle of nowhere just blows right in front of us. So that was pretty That was very cute. A tumbleweed, folks, if you've never seen it, is adorable. (laughs) It's just tumbling down the street. And it does signify that something's changing. The weather's changing. That's really the the premise. Um, The color of the sky, the blue sky, Mm, the color of the rock. We saw white rock, red rock, um, desert, beautiful green, evergreens. We're into the, um, the north in Taos. There's huge evergreen forests and, and that was beautiful. We saw the site of where a fire had been. Yeah. And where there were just, you know, acres and acres of nothing left, miles and miles. Of, um, what do you remember? Well, I mean, the nature component was really incredible. Um, the terrain in New Mexico changes from, you know, dry desert that looks like Mars to red rocks. And then all of a sudden you're in a prairie and then you're in a huge, thickly wooded spruce forest. It was really um, phenomenal. It was really, really gorgeous. And it did feel, uh, it was really the most beautiful place I've ever been by far. And speaking of grief, it really, for me, like, it really made me feel deeply sad about what we've been doing to our planet. And that's not a new emotion, but it really hit yeah. me so hard being there. It hit me. It was just like, wow, what a horrible waste. So we could have Ziploc bags and drive and do, you know what I mean? We just took this like beautiful, gorgeous land and are just like, screw you basically to it. And it made me sad and it made me really angry. Uh, and it made me feel hopeless because, you know, as we know, we've gotten some really disappointing climate news in the past week. And uh, it just felt like such a precious gift to see such pristine, untouched nature. And it it really broke my heart, actually. Um, I loved seeing in that same vein, there are homes called Earthships out there, which are 100% sustainable homes that are made from garbage and old tires and um, the whole kind of ecosystem of the home uh, works perfectly and so succinctly. And I encourage anyone who's interested to go ahead and Google Earthships and see how they work. And it's a goddamn shame that we don't build all our houses like that. And it's yeah, just, it's yeah. really, I don't know, something about being there was just, it was just shocking to me to see how cavalier we are in the face of like what is the climate crisis is presenting us with. Um, so I loved that. And of course, something I know we both really enjoyed was the delicious, wonderful, thoughtful, amazing, beautiful food uh, of New Mexico. It's a very special cuisine. And mm-hmm. uh, we had really fun food and really thoughtful food. It was really great. I, I loved the food. What did you think? How did you feel? Well, about- I know that you made a point that every day we had chips 
guacamole and salsa yes. in many different places. So Every that day. was exciting. Mm-hmm. That is exciting. And I have found in my evolution of cooking uh, at home that I enjoy um, that kind of cuisine. I use a lot of jalapenos. I, I love beans, pinto beans. Um, so I was excited about eating fajitas and having tamales. I couldn't wait to have tamales, and it, it was worth every bit of it. And I was looking to forward to finding a, a good mole, and we did. Mm. I found I thought that was spectacular. The mole I learned was so fantastic. much. It was delicious. I feel like tasting good food, authentic good food, you learn how to make it just by tasting it. Right. Well, you, you do. I, someone like you, or someone who, like you know myself, who knows how to cook. But that's a very good point. Yeah, you kind yeah. of can process if you're you know inclined to, culinarily inclined. It is a right. Kind of good way. Now, the one thing that was a very a culinary curiosity for us was that we realized that there were a lot of trout where we were. A lot so, of trout. There was trout fishing everywhere. But we couldn't find any to eat. You As couldn't a find a single fact, or married trout anywhere. <laughs> As a matter of fact, at one point we were eating at home because we had a rental house. And we wanted to buy some trout. And you even called a bait and tackle shop. I said, where in the tell fuck that's... do I get trout in this town? And, <laughs> and he said, nowhere. 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 He said, you're not getting any trout. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, sir, th- thank you very much for your time. No, he was very nice. Mike from the trout shop. But we never got to eat trout. And that was, I felt that I missed that. Yeah. Knowing that there were trout everywhere. And we, we could have just reached our three hands. times a day. We could have <laughs> just reached our hands into any given puddle or pool and found a trout. But alas, we didn't have the proper, you know, equipment to clean it. So we really would have needed to rely on a trout farm or something like that. But, uh, or trout, whatever, a trout catchery. An old man selling trout by the side of the road would have been perfect. We didn't find any such thing. And I think our, our, our favorite restaurant was the little cafe. Can you tell the... Oh, Which yeah, Blackbird. Um, I can't remember the town it was in, but it's on what they call the Turquoise Trail in between Albuquerque and Santa Fe. Um, the middle and, of nowhere. Yeah, in this little town right past Madrid, uh, New Mexico, about 10 minutes or five, 10 minutes outside of Madrid. Just Google like Blackbird Cafe in New Mexico. And it was just like in this little kind of old, sleepy, tiny town. And Cyrillus, right? Cyrillus, yes. That's the town. Uh, and it was like owned by like a husband and wife team. And it was darling. And they had delicious, beautiful food. They made, you know, the classic green chili cheeseburger. But everything was made like with really lovely local ingredients and organic meats. And it was really, really reasonably priced. And the and avocado. And local. Ooh, a half of a grilled avocado filled with like a really fantastic like aio- spiced aioli and just like pine nuts and cilantro and lime on top. It was Try it. Fantastic. Nice. Yes, really, really good. Um, and gorgeous salads and all kinds of pickles. And it was really nice. And one thing I learned about New Mexican cuisine that I hadn't really been aware of before is the uses of uh, usage of trumpet mushrooms. I didn't hadn't realized that trumpet mushrooms were as popular mm. as they are. And, the of course, tacos. the hatch, hatch green chilies um, are super special and amazing. Um and just like really, I don't know, it's just really lovely food. It's it's exactly, it's kind of one of my top favorite things is that type of um, 
don't know, like, well, I mean, New Mexican cuisine, I wanted to call it Tex-Mex, but that's Tex-Mex. I mean, this is like akin to that in some way. There's yes. noticeable differences, but it really is all its own and it's very special. Um, and everything, literally everything that we ate was delicious. There was not a single miss. And there's just like really lovely, warm people who are selling things by like the side of the road and um, really adorable local fruit stands that had like gorgeous you know, beans and a wonderful farmer's market in Santa Fe with lots of fresh flowers. Um, and the farmer's really- market was one of my favorite things because we got to see people bringing their beans to market, their beans and spices. Mm-hmm. And we unfortunately bought a lot of it and then carried home pounds and pounds of beans that we had yeah. stuffed and into our And red hominy for making pozole. I had never really seen red hominy before, which I'm very excited to use. Um, and great chili powders. Yeah. Great spices. I bought blue, um, masa to make blue corn tamales with, which is pretty cool. We bought, and interestingly, there were not a lot of farms and there were not a lot of farm stands. You don't see them. I think they're out kind of in the desert somewhere. Although when we were driving from Santa Fe to Taos, there was one little, um, area. The area Dixon. was called Dixon. And it was the only place where there were wineries. There were three, there were three wineries there. We visited one, which was wonderful. We yeah. really enjoyed that a lot. And there were fruit trees. Mm-hmm. But basically, we didn't see farm stands anymore. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of farms. There were, in Dixon, there was a lot of fruit. I'm assuming maybe like further south or something. I'm sure there's just right. an area that's perhaps more fertile. The soil is maybe better right. and like less sandy. We just right. didn't go there. But um, yeah, it was really... Uh, bright and flavorful and just so fresh and so delicious and um a really distinct food culture and people were excited about being out and eating and like seeing families and groups of people sitting around the table together and enjoying themselves is something that is just such a wonderful kind of thing to see and Mm -hmm. like really like you know, we talked about this a little bit, but like one, something that I don't particularly look for and when I got to eat, and this is not a knock against people who make this type of food or enjoy it, but just for me personally, like I'm not into like super fine dining and like tweezer food and like food that's like too precious. Like I want like to like tear off a chunk of bread and like soak it in like olive oil and smush it into my mouth and like bite into a tomato. You know what I mean? Like that's my kind of thing. And so, um, that's what makes me most happy. And I love seeing people eat like that because it's pure and it's just like the real enjoyment of, of eating. And there was not like, you know, posing for pictures. I'm not saying no one took a picture of their food, but you know, and it was just like what it is supposed to be to, to break bread together. And it was just a really lovely, really lovely experience. It was provincial cuisine, if that's the best way to put it. It was that with the province where we were, the place where yeah. we were, that's the food we ate. We tried not to eat um, any other ethnic foods except for where we were. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was just... And it was a pleasure to see how excited you were. Every meal, you were so happy. You were just so excited. I loved and- it. And I'm a very, enthousi- very enthusiastic eater for anyone who's never shared a meal with me. You'll hear a lot of... Mm! And like, ooh, mm, oh my God, oh my God, this is delicious. That's just like my kind of vibe when uh, sharing a meal. But, you know, it just felt really nice. Yeah. And some of the other things that I remember, one of the things that drew me was the art that we would see. Because I knew that Santa Fe had been um, an art community many, many years ago with Mm -hmm. George O'Keefe and other people that lived there. And that now there was a lot of art 
um, galleries and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, what I was excited to see is that it wasn't just the art in the galleries, there was art in the streets. There was art and there were murals, there were sculptures, big gigantic sculptures everywhere you looked. And I think the homes, um, the adobe structures there, I had never really seen that before. The, each one of them looked like a sculpture. Yeah. The homes were so beautiful. We took a lot of walks in neighborhoods and just just saw how people lived and beautiful flowers and the homes were gorgeous. They were. They, they oh, really and what, I'm sorry to interrupt you. One thing yeah. I want to make sure not to forget to mention, which was not authentic New Mexican cuisine, but one of the most fabulous places that we went was a great French bakery, probably one of the best French bakeries <laughs> I've been to outside of France called Clafouti. And if you're ever in... Um, Santa Fe, please go there. And Clafouti is kind of a French pastry that is uh, almost like a tart. It's basically like a, a kind of eggy tart with fruit in it. And this place was really just so spectacular and so beautiful and family run. And it was really wonderful. And if those of you that may not know, Santa Fe is the apricot capital of the United States. So many apricots. <laughs> if you like apricots, go to Santa Fe. I love apricots. And uh, there was apricots aplenty. They trees. were apricot everywhere. Apricot trees everywhere. We lived, we lived in a little house, and the property was called the apricot property because there was literally a carpet of apricots in order to get to our door. Yeah. There were two, it was a small space, but there were two big apricot trees in it, and they were just dropping their fresh apricots. So um, we didn't eat many apricots, but we certainly squished a lot. Yeah, we accidentally squished a lot, which I hate to say because it is wasting food, but it does feel good to step on <laughs> one every now and then. Um, okay, so something I just kind of want to touch on, I guess, is just, you know, we're talking about taking a vacation, um, which was wonderful. And some of you listening might have the opportunity to also take a vacation, and some of you might not for all kinds of reasons. And I think that, like in here is a message that I would like to um, kind of relay uh, no matter what your kind of situation is, whether or not you can actually get away and go somewhere for whatever the reason may be to give yourself a break. Right. And so giving yourself a break uh, could be taking a bath every day, giving yourself a break could be meditating for five minutes a day. And cause sometimes you know, I'll just give an example. Maybe you're a healthcare worker right now who's being like worked to the bone in a traumatic situation for, you know, going on two years now. And you're like, screw you. I can't go take a vacation and also screw your five minute meditation. That's not a vacation. I understand. But I guess I just, life is fleeting and it's short and it's precious. And I, I know that it isn't always possible to just pick up and go away and have like a memorable experience. And I'm not someone who before the summer has gotten to go on a ton of, you know, I mean, I've been lucky to travel in my life, but I'm not always going on vacation. We don't have a ton of money, you know, it's whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's important that as we're especially enmeshed in such a emotionally trying time, and whether we're realizing it or not individually, how emotionally trying it's been, trust me, it has been. <laughs> trust me, it has been. And even if you're needing to compartmentalize, and even if it's been also positive for you in some ways, this is a traumatic time in life for everyone. Because if it's traumatic for most people, it's traumatic for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's going to seep yep. in in some way. So yep. if you can do yourself the favor of at least thinking about how you can give yourself a break, even if you can't fully 
commit to giving yourself that break? Can you start today and just think about something you could do for yourself that is, is caring and just a timeout, you know, in one way or another? Beautifully said. I've always defined meditation as losing your mind. So in a way, taking this time off was like a meditation because our mind was focused on different things, so different that I left behind all the other things I, I normally, my mind is focused on. And it felt like I was offline. And when I came back, I truly, truly had a different perspective, a different view of my own life. And if, I felt very grateful. And you can do that. I agree with what you said, Zara. You can't always take a week off. That's a lot to ask. And it was a lot for me to do too. Yeah. Um, but you can have mental vacations you know, in your day and make a point of learning how. If you don't know how to do it, there's many ways to learn how to do it. There's so many different apps on the phone and things that teach us how to, how to meditate, really. And I think that's what you're talking about. Or, and also celebrating, you know, life. So I'm thinking of a friend that I had that in particular who is very trapped. They're taking care of a parent who is ill. They don't drive. They're kind of in the middle of nowhere. They don't have a lot of money. They're in a bad situation and in a beautiful place. They live in a gorgeous kind of idealistic place, but how their world is very small. And so I know I'm thinking about this person in particular. Maybe they're listening to the show and some, or someone like them and being like, you know, how the hell could I possibly take any kind of break? Or even like, I'm going to meditate, like, screw you. Like, what advice can we give to people who wherever they are, whatever their experience is, they know that they need and could benefit from having some kind of break, but they can't do it right now. And it feels like maybe they can never do it ever. And, you know, what we're saying is not resonating. Like, how can, how can we talk to those folks about how to like, give themselves that gift of being able to like reset? Well, I, ha I do have an answer to that question. And the answer is, is that the opportunity to get out of your head is always there. It's certainly in your breath. Okay. So mm. that's, that's something to remember that we always have our breath. What the point is, we have to think of that our mind can be a slayer as we say, and it can go on and on and torture us. And we, even in our sleep, we don't get a break from it. So it's trying to find a way to get out of the stories that we tell in our head, the things that are really bothering us, the troubles that we're worrying about, the things that we're contemplating. We just need a break. You know, it's what you would like to think sleep would be, but sleep doesn't always do that. Sometimes you're reprocessing the things in the day. So even just to focus on your breath for one minute, just the breath in and the breath out. And your attention, it's what you pay attention to. So that's really what it is. It's taking your attention off the everyday things that are always going on in your head and putting it on something else. You could stare at a flower for five minutes. Just stare at the, look at the nuances of how it is and just take that little bit of time and see what it feels like. Experiment. I think about um, one of the great movie, one of the great Bill Murray movies of all time. What about Bob? Which is actually a horror film, if we're going to be honest, because you really wouldn't want a patient to follow you on vacation and, and refuse to leave you alone. But, um, Richard Dreyfus says to Bill Murray and it, Richard Dreyfus for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, is America's sweetheart. No, I'm just kidding. Richard Dreyfus for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, uh, plays a psychologist and, um, Bill Murray is his patient and he follows him on vacation. But anyway, so Richard Dreyfus says to him at one point, he goes, Bob, I want you to take a vacation. And he goes, maybe not a vacation like I am here, but I want you to take a vacation from your problems. 
any, like, and I know yeah. that, you know, if you're someone who is really enmeshed in a problem, it, that doesn't sound very realistic or practical advice. But like Bobby was just saying, if even you can take a vacation from your problems for a couple seconds or minutes a day, hour, maybe, you know, you can do it through music, like. you can do it through movement, you can do it through nature, you can do it through a person, you know, talking to somebody, but it's just the attention that you pay, taking your attention away from the monkey mind. All right. Well, this was a very interesting episode, Bobby, and it was a great trip. And I thanked you um, a bunch before, and I'm going to thank you again. And I would like to say, like, you know, it was a great trip because it wasn't a perfect trip because that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I guess, once in a blue moon, there's something called the perfect trip. But typically anything that you idolize always turns out a bit differently than you think it's going to. And I think, like, you know, in those moments when it's turning out differently, you can kind of panic and burn the house down. Or you can be like, wow, this is going to be a great story <laughs> once it stops being so frustrating, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that maybe that's the goal, right? You know, yes, the opportunity. Yes. Somebody said to me earlier, thank you for this opportunity, no matter what happens. And I said on to that, it's all about the opportunity. Mm -hmm. The opportunity is everything. Exactly. The outcome is always uncertain. 100% of the time, that is the only thing you can probably ever count on in life is that the outcome is always uncertain. And it's all about the opportunity. And I think that brings me back full circles to the point I made in the beginning, is, which is that if you see that the outcome is the light at the end of the tunnel, the opportunity is all those tiny cracks and switches you see on the inside. So that's kind of what it's all about. Yay. Love it. Love so how you, you brought that around. I'm thank with you. Thank you for the opportunity, Mom. I really appreciate it. And Thank uh, you for the opportunity, my dear. Yeah. And thanks, guys, for listening. And I hope that this came out the way it was intended, which is to kind of be a conversation around um, experience and travel and relationship and in no way a brag about <laughs> And nothing being trip. perfect. Yeah, yeah. And nothing being you know? perfect. And okay. yet appreciating what is. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Take care of yourselves and each other. The Big Food Question is partnering with TD Bank on five special episodes about the resilience of small businesses in the face of a constantly shifting pandemic landscape. We cover avenues for accessing grants, loans, and financial services through federal and local government programs, as well as via nonprofits. We examine the benefits worker cooperatives present to workers, communities, and our food system, and share resources to learn more about operating under this model. We're talking to business owners who started pop-ups and became permanent during the pandemic to see what we can learn. Don't miss these episodes. Subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to TD Bank for supporting this programming. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.